When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Toolmart, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. Yeah, it's great to have your company on this Wednesday hump day here in Perth, thanks to Hayes and Mardo. Peter Vlahos with you, and looking forward to having a bit of fun with you. I was actually going back to my childhood. Of course, it is cricket season, and I remember watching this fast bowler that used to bowl for Australia. In the end, he played four test matches. He was a Victorian paceman, and I remember as a young boy having a look at him, and I don't think I've ever seen a more weird, unique bowling style. I'm talking about Australian test cricketer Alan Froggy Thompson, who unfortunately passed away today at the age of 76. He played four test matches during the 1970-71 Ashes series. His brother confirmed his passing today, and I'll quote what his brother did say. It is with a heavy heart I announce the death of my older brother and past Australian Test cricketer Alan Froggy Thompson. Being in hospital after a fall just days ago, he was being operated on for a hip replacement, but it was just too much for his frail body, and he passed away just a few hours ago. So it got me thinking, and he was part of my childhood, and of course the black and white days of watching Australia play in Ashes series in Test cricket, where the camera coverage was from one end. And, of course, at the other end, all you saw was the wicketkeeper's back. And you had the fieldsman around the bat. It was very hard to actually gauge exactly when a batsman got out, whether it was maybe bat pad or whether he got bowled because the wicketkeeper was shielding the stumps. But those were the early days of black and white test coverage. And Alan Froggy Thompson was part of that. So what I'd like you to do on sports day with yours truly, Pete of Lajos, today. And I've gone through it, actually. Some of the most unique, weird bowling actions that you have ever seen in cricket. Give us uh, your thoughts on the Temperate Bedshed text line, 0487 736 736. Or give us a call, if you like, on the Scarborough Toyota open line, 13 12 55. I reckon Alan Froggy Thompson had the most unique, weird bowling action of any cricketer that I remember. You may have some other ideas, so share it with us. I've got a couple listed here. There's a couple of South Africans in there. One of Australia's all-time great fast bowlers had a weird action. Don't worry about that. 0487 736 736. We're going to start a new segment tonight entitled Get to Know You. Because what we tend to do a lot here in the media is that we tend to talk to individuals that hold a fairly prominent position 
in the West Australian and Australian sporting landscape. And we talk more about the present. And we're going to do that with my very first get-to-know-you guest in just a few moments' time. This person is a cricket administrator, the CEO of the West Australian Cricket Association, and we're talking about Christina Matthews. But I'm going to take you back in time and behind when she got the post as the CEO. She's got a very interesting sporting CV, let me tell you, and a very interesting life as well. So we'll get to know Christina Matthews uh, in a little while, but also we'll talk about that great performance at the Wacker today with that rear guard action. At one stage, six for 80-odd. It looked difficult, but Hilton Cartwright and Aaron Hardy, who is fast developing to be an outstanding all-rounder, steered WA to outright points. It was a great victory. And, of course, this weekend, there's a double header when it comes to the WBBL and the Perth Scorchers at Lilac Hill. So we'll preview that as well. Later in the program, I'll speak to Ruben Zatkovich, the coach of the Perth Glory, and I'll ask him straight to the point, was it a huge blow-up between he and Bruno Fornaroli, which led to Fornaroli leaving and signing with Melbourne Victory? So we'll have a chat to Ruben Zatkovich a bit later on, and I'll ask him a couple of the, the prickly questions that he certainly hasn't been asked so far. So that'll come up a bit later on as well. But give us certainly your thoughts at the top of the show about weird and unique bowling actions, 0487 736 736 on the temperate bedshed text machine and on the back end of Alan Froggy Thompson passing away today, the Victorian fast bowler and the Australian test bowler who played four test matches passing at the age of 76. We'll take an early break and come back with Christina Matthews on the other side of the break here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't... Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Yes, we're going to get to know more about Christina Matthews. That's Julie Andrews, by the way. Christina, very good afternoon to you. Uh, good afternoon, and I didn't know it was Julie Andrews. I'm a very old woman, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're the same vintage, Christine. I remember the sound of music as well back in 1965, let me tell you. Went with That's my, right. <laughs> went, went with my grandmother to see it. Uh, Christina, what a great performance at the Wacker today by Hilton Cartwright, Aaron Hardy, a real rearguard performance to get the outright points over Queensland. Yeah, look, it was tremendous. I mean, um, a fantastic effort by Hilton to set us up. And then Aaron coming in, um, sort of a good partnership with them and then sort of bringing it home. Um, it's really great to see, um, you know, our players performing well. Um, we can't forget our bowlers did a really good job in, in both innings, but particularly in the um, second innings. Um, and it's, um, it's testament to the depth we've got with so many um, players out with the Australian team and um, so forth and um, uh, you know the pressure they're under um, all the time to perform so a, a really good um, game on a, a tough cricket wicket but uh, you know one that uh, both teams um, had to deal with. Can I ask you before we uh, go into the segment a bit more there's been a bit of news and uh, you don't often go past the day when there's certainly people putting up uh, as a nomination for the vacancies on the West Australian Cricket Association board. It's been an interesting time, hasn't it? 
Yeah, interesting is one word for it, Peter. Yeah, yeah, it has been. Uh, um, you know, one one of the things um, about being um, sort of CEO and on staff is, is trying to sort of keep some distance from um, that sort of thing. But um, uh, there's no doubt it, it is a distraction. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of misunderstanding about, um, you know, what's gone on and what's going to happen in the future. Mm. Perth Scorchers in the WBBL. They go to Lilac Hill and play back-to-back games this weekend against the Sydney Sixers. Of course, uh, Elise Perry and co. And then they take on the Adelaide Strikers. Two big games this weekend. And the weather forecast for both days, Christina, is 28 degrees and plenty of sunshine. Yeah, look, they're always great days out at um, Lilac Hill. Um, uh, a nice um, victory by the Melbourne Stars over the Strikers today that um, sort of pushes them a little bit away um, from us if we can get a, a couple of good wins up this weekend. But certainly um, uh, the um, Sydney Sixers and us have had some fantastic um, tussles at uh, Lilac Hill and uh, we're looking um, forward to that. And um, the Strikers have really good potential in this side. So they'll be tough games, but I, I'm betting that Sophie Devine will come good. I haven't seen her have this longer run out of form for a while. Um, and uh, uh, we need a really good partnership from her and, and Beth Mooney um, to get us off to a good start. Christina, when you were playing cricket, you're an outstanding player. You're born in Kew in Melbourne, Victoria. You played, of course, with Victoria, yep. New South Wales, ACT. You played for this country with distinction. You're an outstanding wicketkeeper. Can we go back what uh, Christina White, as you were known then, uh, decided yeah. to take up the sport of cricket? Yeah, look, I, um, uh, you know, back when we were younger, Peter, you, you used to be able to play these games on the street and there'd be games that everybody in the street played and you'd move the bins on and off and uh, everybody get a bat and a bowl. And I was like every other kid um, uh, sort of playing in the street. And uh, But very lucky um, that there was a women's team playing in our local suburb, which was a rarity uh, in those days. Um, and my mum just said to me one day when I was 12, do you want to go down and see if you could get a game? Um, so I was pretty excited about that and um, went down, met a few people, and the next week I, I was playing in the team. Now, in those days, it was an adult team. Um, so I was 12, and I think the oldest one was 38, and then there was a 13-year-old and a 14-year-old, and then the next one was 21. So it, it was an interesting experience. We won the premiership in my first year, which <laughs> I didn't quite understand, but I remember going home and celebrating with a, a roast lamb that my mum made. Fantastic. Of course, you played with <laughs> distinction for Australia, 20 test matches, 47 ODIs, uh, and you played for this country yeah. between 84 and 95. In fact, I think you are still Australia's most capped female test player and you hold the record yeah. for the most dismissals by Australian wicketkeeper. So you, you weren't exactly a slouch. You were a fair player. Yeah, and look, I was lucky. Um, uh, you know, my selection coincided when the women started playing annual international events. Um, prior to that, you, you might get an international match every two or three years. Um, but my first year was the start of consistent international competition. Um, but also, uh, strangely, 
Um, my first test that I played were three-day tests, and then they became four. And, and you know, I played in um, uh, the the first um, five-day um, test match um, for women. So, you know, it's pretty hard to get results in the in the, in the beginning with three-day tests. Um, and uh, but it was just I mean, it was such a thrill um, to be playing for Australia. I mean, we we paid for most of our own um, clothing. Um, we paid a levy to go on the trip and um, things like that we didn't get allowances in the early days so um but it didn't matter um it was just being on the trip and being part of an australian cricket team was just such a joy yeah you played in a couple of world cups are you proud uh, with the evolution of the women's game and where it is now really proud and um, you know I'm proud to have been sort of part of the push um, for improvement um, I've always lived my life whether as a player or an administrator that you know you've, you've got to make sure that whatever environment you're in it's better than when you leave and the people who come after you have um, better opportunities than you could have so um, to see um, what's on offer for female players today and what young um, girls can aspire to it is just so exciting. Christina, of course, you took over from Graham Wood, who was the CEO of the West Australian Cricket Association, and it was yep. interesting. And the Wacker has always been seen as a bit of a male domain. What was the reception like when it was released that Christina Matthews was, would be and succeed Graham Wood as the next CEO of the Wacker? Well, to be fair, Peter, no one ever says anything to your face. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, you know, making a decision to to play what was in in my day always been a men's game, and then to have a, a life as a sports administrator, predominantly in cricket, you're kind of setting yourself up for um, uh, for, for trouble. But yeah, people have over the years found it difficult to embrace um, female administrators um, and um, I'm a particularly um, forward-thinking one. I, you know, I, I like to create change and make things better um, and sometimes that's difficult um, for people. I, I move at a fast pace and change is difficult for people um, and, and I acknowledge that. I acknowledge for a lot of people it, it is hard but I'm... Um, I, I, I did get a last year after we won the shield. I got an email from a, a, a former president of one of the premier clubs, who did write to me and a credit to him for this, saying I was one of those who thought, "What are they doing when you're appointed?" Um, but now, having won the shield, I'm a convert. Mm. And I went, "Well, thank you. I'll, I'll take that." <laughs> <laughs> You've been there a decade now. You took over the role back yeah. in 2012. How years fly by. Is this your dream job or are you looking to do something else in the game if it's offered to you? Oh, uh, interesting, Peter. I don't really look ahead too much in terms of my own um, career. Um, my dream was to work in sport and to be able to do that for, um, you know, 40 years um, is a real gift. Um, and I firmly believe that, um, you know, whenever I finish up in, in this job, other opportunities will come and I'll know which the right one is at the, the right time. Um, I, I think in my, um, you know, if there was something I would like to do, it's more, um, not so much in a, a professional admin, admin capacity, but I would love one day to serve on a, uh, an AFL football club board. So um, you'd be interested you know, in getting involved with an AFL club? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I grew up as a football and cricket fan and, um, you know, I, I've watched um, both sports evolve um, and uh, obviously in the, in the past half dozen years see the women's game evolve for both of them. And I think it'd be a really um, interesting experience to, to sort of get in amongst it and see how it operates and I think I'd have a, quite a bit to offer. You think uh, when Trevor Nisbet maybe says goodbye as the CEO of the West Coast Eagles, would you put your hand up and you'd feel confident that you could take over a brand like West Coast? Gee, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I want to be speculating about the end of uh, Trevor Nisbet's tenure. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd want to do something like that. Uh, I mean, he's had a, a, a long time as head of that club and with great success um, and they have a, a great board um, and they'll no doubt come back strongly but um, uh, yeah there was a, look there was a time where I did contemplate um, you know pursuing a, a CEO job at an AFL club but that's well, they're way not ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> Christina, a couple of other questions I'd love to have a chat to you about. Were you interested and sure. did you put your hand up for the Cricket Australia CEO job now that Nick Hockley uh, got it? Uh, there were talks that, you know, Christina Matthews was certainly on the shortlist. No, I, um, I mean, I applied for that job when James Sutherland finished and, um, you know, I, I got through um, two interviews and, and didn't make it to the final um, stage. Um, it was a great experience. Um, I, I'd probably confidently say I wouldn't have been ready um, at that time. I'm probably more ready now, but I, I don't think it's in my stars to ever work at Cricket Australia. Mm. In 2016, you were included in the, on the West Australians list of 100 most influential West Australians. For a non-West Australian, you certainly have made an impact here. And if you look back over your te a decade as a CEO of the West Australian Cricket Association, of course, you've had plenty of other roles with Cricket New South Wales and, you know, general managers of very other organisations. What is one thing that you're really proud of in your 10 years in your role at the WACA? I'm really proud that today we lead the country in all our programs um, that we run. Obviously, great on-field success. Off-field, we do, we're doing things that no other state's been able to manage. Um, we've got a truly integrated environment um, that provides um, opportunities for people in the game that, um, when I started, people didn't think um, was possible. So, to... You know, cricket is supposed to be a sport for all, and I'm really proud in WA that we genuinely have that. Christina Matthews, getting to know you a bit more has been fantastic. Thanks for joining us on the program. Safe driving, and we'll keep in touch. Thanks very much. Good on you. Christina Matthews, the CEO of the West Australian Cricket Association. That's a segment I'm going to have on a Wednesday, getting to know you, just finding out a bit more about the people that you often read about, hear about, see uh, on your media TVs and getting a bit of a background on uh, that individual. And as Christina mentioned, she was pretty keen and still is to maybe one day work at an AFL club as a CEO. Just on the temperate bedshed text line uh, with the passing of Alan Froggy Thompson, uh, the Australian fast bowler who had the most unique and strange action that I can remember. Uh, unusual bowling actions uh, uh, frog in a bender, uh, Paul Adams from South Africa and Maxie Walker. Yes, Tangles. He did have 
a very interesting action. And Lasith Malinga, who had that slinging action where he almost used to bowl from almost 45 degrees. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah, thanks, uh, Leon. Leon of Hocking. Uh, Peter, South Africa's Paul Adams. He used to drop his head as he delivered the ball, the left armour. Unusual action, referred to as a frog in a blender. Good on you. Cheers, Big Al. And also, Pete, uh, great to hear Christine on your show. She's all class. Thanks, Darren, for your text on the Tempera Bedshed text line, 0487 736 736. Who do you reckon, you know, Max Tangles Walker, who's not with us anymore, Alan Froggy Thompson, of course, just passed in the last 24 hours. There is one great Australian bowler, fast bowler, who had a very weird action. And uh, he was very, very quick and, of course, got many a test wicket. I think you know who I'm talking about. It. Put it on the Tempera Bedshed text line. 25 past five. This is Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. Be great to have your company. Norman Kalgoorlie, that would be Tomo. Yes, unique bowling action. How much of a slinger was he? Uh, he certainly was, uh, Jeff Thompson. Uh, thanks, Norman Cal, listening on SEN 1611. We're looking at some of the unique bowling actions. And we've already mentioned Malinga, Lasith Malinga from Sri Lanka. Paul Adams, the South African spin bowler, who used to drop his head at the point of delivery. There is a West Indies bowler, if you may recall, I thought was pretty unique, is that when he used to come in, he was one of the fast bowlers, and his front foot used to swing out towards the edge of the crease. And then his arm used to then bend over his head and zero back on the batsman. So he used to run in straight, and then his leg used to swing wide of the crease, at the delivery crease, but his arm then used to bend back and bowl at the batsman. Do you know who that is? Remember him. Very, very unique uh, bowling action. Mutai Muralitharan, of course, uh, had a unique action, and that was very much uh, talked about for many, many years. Uh, we're talking about this if you've just joined us because of the passing of Alan Froggy Thompson, who was a very unique Australian fast bowler, bowled in four Ashes Test matches in 1970-71, uh, originated from Victoria, was a very good bowler at Sheffield Shield level for the Vicks during that period, uh, passed away today at the age of 76. But if you can recall that West Indian fast bowler, uh, love to hear from you on the Tempera at Bedshed text line, 0487 736 736. Let's see who's really switched on out there uh, listening to SEN. Uh, now for tyre power. Uh, well, let's have a bit of a look at the uh, headlines. Buy three and win, get one free on selected Falcon all-terrain tyres at your local uh, tyre power store. Uh, we've got the news that after playing less than 50 games in four seasons at North Melbourne, following a big money move from Port Adelaide, uh, Jared Pollock has been delisted for a second and final time. Former Hawthorne coach Alistair Clarkson has vowed that he and the Hawks would defend ourselves pretty strongly when the investigation into alleged racist incidents at the club gets underway. He was spoken to today. How confident are you that you would be cleared of these Yeah, well, we'll, we'll work through that with the, with the AFL investigation. But, um, you know, all, all, all we do know is that there's been three or four clubs in the competition over the last, um, over the last 20 years that have been really, really strong clubs. Uh, really, really successful clubs, and those clubs have all had magnificent cultures, and Hawthorne's been one of those. So, um, 
I'd be uh, I'd be very very surprised if we weren't able to put a, a really really strong case forward that um, that these uh, that these allegations um, have been reported in a different way than we saw them when we were at the club. Mm. And just regarding the, the women's BBL, and I spoke to Christina Matthews a short time ago. We saw plenty of brutal knocks by Andrew Flintoff, didn't we, during his incredible career, the Englishman. But the Englishman's uh, can't hold a light to what Tess Flintoff did for the Melbourne Stars this afternoon, facing a strong striker's attack. The big-hitting all-rounder went ballistic at North Sydney Oval. She smashed the fastest 50 in WBBL history of just 16 deliveries to propel the struggling Stars to 586. It comes just a week, uh, over a week, in fact, after Marcus Stoinitz belted the fastest ever T2050 for Australia, which came off 17 balls. Just on the temper of bedshed uh, text line, uh, looking at that West Indian fast bowler that I thought had a very unique bowling style. Norman Cowell says Malcolm Marshall. No, nah, it wasn't Malcolm Marshall. I thought his actual delivery stride was fantastic and the way it was just poetry in motion the way he delivered the balls the great late West Indian fast bowler Carl Rackman could get through the crease uh, that's also come through on the temper at bedshed text line now there's one West Indian there's one West Indian fast bowler probably not in the league you'd have to say of Andy Roberts Michael Holding and Malcolm Marshall but he was around there but he had a very very unique bowling style uh, love to hear from somebody that can identify that West Indian great. Today, George Bailey, the chairman of selectors uh, for the Australian cricket team, was questioned about the net run rate. Australia are hanging on for dear life to get through to the semi-final stage. This is what he said. What is your understanding of the mathematics? The oh, yeah. Yes. Um, it's, uh, yeah, well, I think we'll, we'll work through that. I'll be next to the toasty machine if it <laughs> comes down to mathematics. We'll just probably run. 20 different scenarios, um, but first and foremost, it's about winning, winning the game. Um, I don't think you want to get too carried away with anything else other than that at the outset. But then, no doubt, we'll be aware of certain permutations. Um, you know, there's a lot that's out of our control given the fact that England, England plays Sri Lanka after after our game anyway. So I think first and foremost, it's about playing as well as we can. I don't think we've we've probably put um, a complete game of T20 cricket together this this tournament yet. So. Um, to go outside of that and start searching uh, too much without forgetting first and foremost to win the game will be dangerous, I think, for us. Um, but we will be aware of, of what we need to do if we need to press a button at some stage. There you go, George Bailey, the chairman of selectors for the Australian cricket team. Just uh, No, it's not Courtney Walsh. We have somebody who's got on the temper of bedshed text line. No, it's not Courtney Walsh. We're zeroing in. You've got to remember him. He was quick but he used to propel his foot towards the edge of the crease and then his arm used to come back and zero in on the batsman. Uh, give us your thoughts if you can get it before we uh, take a break. Just updating what's happening in the cricket. India, by the way, six for 157. Six for 157 in the 19th over against Bangladesh, who are yet to bat. And a good win for the Netherlands earlier. Well done to Ryan Campbell. They got a victory in the Super 12 uh, part of the tournament. They defeated Zimbabwe by five wickets with 12 balls to spare, chasing a total of 117. Uh, Vera Coley, by the way, is 50 not out. He's got that off 39 balls. I was just saying to our production team of Hida and also Lee, 
Don't be surprised, maybe, if he wins the player of the tournament. Yes, we've got it right. Colin Croft. If you remember Colin Croft, he had a very unique bowling style. And Jasper Broomera of India also has a bit of a unique bowling style. But rest in peace, Froggy Thompson, you had the most unique bowling style of any cricketer that I saw. Welcome back to Sports Day with Peter Vlahos on this uh, Wednesday. And let me tell you, at the Perth Glory, there's been some positive signs, even though they've only won one out of their first four matches. Uh, They've only lost by the solitary goal in the three defeats. But there's been, as I mentioned, some positive signs. And we're going to speak now to the coach of the Perth Glory in Ruben Zadkovic, who's planning, no doubt, uh, maybe a win before the break. They take on Melbourne City this weekend. Ruben, uh, thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks for having me, mate. Would it be fair to say there's been some positive signs in the first month, even though there's only been one win? Of course, there's always, you know, there's always positives. Um, you know, results, we would have liked to have probably had, you know, at least another point or two out of those performances because I think, especially the Newcastle game, we did enough in that game to definitely take a point. You know, we are pushing for the three points, probably a little bit naive, got caught on transition. So, you know, there's an extra point there. And obviously, um, even the first round, the performance wasn't great, but we didn't give them many chances and, you know, could have easily taken a point if we defend that moment a little bit better. So, you know, obviously we would like to have taken more points in those first four games, but not to be, um, like you say, the positives, you know, there are, there are many, but, you know, probably the biggest one at the moment is, you know, we're a new squad. You know, we didn't have uh, many many competitive A-League games in pre-season, so we're still kind of, you know, scratching for those combinations and at that intensity and that level. And, um, you know, there's been some improvements, you know, bit by bit through each round. Um, but obviously when you start with five, you know, away games in a row, you start to get cumulative, you know, loading in terms of it becomes more and more difficult each week because obviously every every weekend you're packing up and travelling across the country and there's a lot of change of time differences, a lot of new faces, people from overseas that have never travelled like this. So, you know, it starts to become more and more difficult. So, yeah, lots of positives. Um, definitely building. I, I like the fact that we're competitive and we're in most games, um, but the reality is we still have a long way to go and we have to be a lot better, um, you know, if we're going to turn those competitive performances into results. You said at the end of the match against Adelaide that you thought you didn't execute well last weekend and you could actually see it in the warm-up, which was an interesting comment that you did make. You just thought to yourself, they don't seem as sharp as I want them to be in the warm-up. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. And, you know, like we've, we've, you know, we've got a new high-performance centre down here and introduced a, a very capable staff that are doing a great job and, you know, doing our best to try and give the players everything that they need to be able to travel, you know, and, and compete on the road. And um, but it catches up with you. You know there is a cumulative load to away game after away game after away game, and it's not just mental. It's uh, sorry, it's not just physical. It's also mental. And um, you know they're not easy places to go. You have to think of it like this: West Sydney Wanderers play their first home game of the year with a crowd behind them against us. Uh, Newcastle play their first home game in front of their home fans um, against us. Adelaide play their first home game with their home fans against us. Um, all of those teams are at home, eating with their families, preparing, you know, relaxing, training on the ground the night before the, the, the game. And we're on the road. We're in, we're, we're in the plane, you know, travelling three, you know, three to five hours and bus trips and hotels and foreign food. And it's just difficult. And, you know, you can pick yourself up for one week and then, you know, obviously another week and a third week. And then I think on the weekends, um, it just looked to me like it had caught up with a few of them and I could see it in the warm up, just a, a sloppiness and a, 
a lack of edge, which was, um, you know, you put down mostly to fatigue. So I think given those circumstances and given how difficult you know, the conditions were against an Adelaide team who were a very good team uh, at home, you know, for us to show character and fight back into that game and still be coming there late shows that there's a lot of resilience in the group and there's a lot of there's a lot of strength of character. But um, you know, what I'll, my point was, you still need to execute. And if you don't kick the ball well and you don't um, attack and it becomes transitional, then you're going to be under a lot of fatigue and and obviously it's difficult to defend a good team like that for long moments. Do you think the events of the last week or so regarding Bruno Fornaroli, who's now a Melbourne Victory player? impacted in any way in the preparation for that Adelaide game? Um, well, look, in some ways, you know, I'd like to say no, but there may be a little bit of, you know, all the players, the players, you know, they hear and read everything as well. And um, they're off the back of a performance away to Central Coast, um, you know, that put us in sixth on the ladder. Um, and really, the narrative should be about how much improvement there was and what a great performance it was um, as a team. And instead, the narrative that they hear all week and all anyone's talking about is a player who, you know, basically refused to play for the club um, and, you know, didn't want to travel away with the team, didn't want to sit the bench. It, that becomes the story. And um, I'm not sure for me, it's easy for me to move on. My, my mentality is quite strong, but there, there may have been a few players that were distracted by that. And, um, you know, now that we can move on, we need to keep looking forward and basically we just need to improve. And um, we know that we're at the start of, you know, it's going to be a long and, and arduous rebuild. You do not go through what we went through as a club and then face the adversity that we have to face with five straight away games and no home ground and, you know, an A-League preseason where you can't play competitive games and sign so many new faces and expect it to be perfect. It's just unrealistic. So we know where we're at. We know that the, the players are giving their all for their, for their team and for their club. And we just have to keep improving. Um, improving. And that process is going to take time. And, um, we just need to keep getting better and working hard on the grass, and there's no substitute for that. I'd like to speak about some of your players that certainly uh, we look forward to seeing when you come back home in a few weeks' time to play your first home game at Macedonia Park. Of course, we're talking about Aaron McEniff and no doubt Mark Beavers and just a few of the others and how you think they've settled in. Just before we get on to that, Ruben, could I ask you the question? I know Eric Ten Hag has had his issues regarding the high-profile Cristiano Ronaldo at Manchester United. Was it a similar situation for Ruben Zadkovic with Bruno Fornaroli where you had to make a call uh, one way or the other for the benefit of the team? Yeah, exactly. Look, I, I keep it quite the process quite simple for me. You know, I try and judge it on performance and I try and judge it on, um, on based on what I see and... You know, I looked at the first two rounds and I don't think that, that Bruno was effective in his role in the team. And um, there was, you know, I read a lot and heard a lot about personal falling outs and, and this type of stuff. There was no personal falling out. We had a big, long-winded conversation with Bruno about, you know, his role and if I was changing it up, his role from the bench. And he didn't want to be on the bench. That was it. He said, I'm not sitting the bench. And so once a player chooses, you know, not to put his body on the line for the team in the club, it, it actually wasn't a decision to be made. He ruled himself out with a rib injury and we moved on. And then the players put in a performance and the changes worked. I mean, we played, you know, G. Colley and McInef off Ben Azabel and McInef and G. Colley scored. And so we got a 2-1 win with those changes. Um, you know, two of the last five games we've played in the A-League we've won and neither of those games Bruno was involved in. Um, and the ones he was involved in, he wasn't effective in those moments. So, and I don't hang people out to dry. I would never say that's Bruno's fault. It's a, it's a team cohesion. It's everything. But, you know, obviously when you marquee players on the pitch... You know he's got to perform, and he's got to he's got to do the things that the team needs him to do. And 
you know, we didn't feel like he was, and, and that's why we made that change. But, you know, I've heard and read a lot about this you know, potential falling outs, and it's got nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with a team-first mentality at this club. Um, it has everything to do with sacrificing for your mates and working hard and, and, um, and a trust. And uh, if that's not there, then we have to go a different way. You, speak, uh, you mentioned Gio Colley there, Giordano Colley, who uh, basically forced his way in the side last season. He's already hit the back of the net a couple of times. That was a world-class goal last week, wasn't it? Correct. And I can tell you, G Colley's not on marquee wages. And, uh, you know, there's a player that's homegrown from Perth, been through the system, trains, you know, with a huge appetite for working hard, gives everything for his team and his club and his teammates, and he's reaping the rewards. And that's what you need from everybody. Um, I think he's a, he's a real shining light at the moment for the type of attitude and, and effort that the, that the club needs. And, um, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of G. I think it was a fantastic goal. He's definitely got that in his in his locker. Um, he's shown glimpses of that, you know, in the, in the two and a half years I've been here. And he's someone that I've worked really closely with on his game. And um, because he's willing to willing to grow and willing to learn and willing to adapt and uh, and put the team first. He's now reaping those rewards as an individual. So it's fantastic to see. Um, and, and may there be many more moments like that for G in his career. Nah, good luck to him. I know his dad and I know his grandfather very well. And they'd be delighted with the way he's playing at the moment. What about some of the new players? The Irishman, of course, Aaron McKenna. And we're looking about Mark Beavers, who played at Peterborough. And, of course, the Israeli in Ben Azabil. How, how have they settled in? You know, I think like in different stages they've um, they've shown glimpses of their best, and um, but there's still a lot more to come, I would say, from from most of the new signings. But I think um, if we go through them, I think Bees has been, you know, huge for us defensively at the back. There, he's a he's a he's a great leader. Um, he's a great character in the dressing room, and his defensive displays speak for themselves. But um, he's been big. But like like I say, still adapting to the travel and still adapting to you know, the different time zones and, and the different way of preparing for games. So I think there's a lot more to come from him. Um, Aaron McInef's obviously been good. He's got on the score sheet a couple of times. Um, you know, at that time, playing a little bit out of his natural position and trying to help the team um, and fill those holes where we need to. So, um, you know, I think he's still got a lot of improvement in him. And I think once he settles into a midfield role that, you know, suits him at the right time, I think you'll see even more of, of what he's about. Um, ben Azabel, again, another one who, who didn't play as much in preseason, um, and he's slowly growing into his role within the team. Um, but it's a massive change of culture and scenery and, and um, preparation for him. You know, coming from from Israel to the A League, it must be difficult. So obviously, the longer he's here, the better he'll get. And um, yeah, along with other guys, there's a lot of other new faces that are doing really well. Um, Steph Golakowski tra- was training really, really well last week and was going to be in the team, and then. Um, had a little bit of a hip niggle, so he was out. Um, and that, there's other there's other players that are that have been doing really well as well. Young Zach Duncan, I know we had to take him off um, early on in that game. It's just a bit of a tactical change, um, and he looked very fatigued. He's a you know he's only a young kid, and he's um, spent a long time out of the game. He's on loan back from a club in Denmark. Um, I think he acquitted himself very very well in the first couple of games and was really growing into himself. But on the weekend. You know, we just hit a bit of a brick wall and a bit of fatigue, and so um, yeah, they're all going well, mate. They're all um, they're all hungry and they're all working really, really hard, uh, which is great. And um, I definitely think there's a lot of improvement for most of them as they settle and as they get used to what it's like. I mean, this is unforeseen times where you play away game after away game after away game, and so um, I think they're all a little bit um, you know fatigued at this stage, but they're hungry and they want to just you know, go to City this week and get a result. And so um, we focus on that. And then obviously we'll get a little bit of a break and we can freshen a few players up. Even the break, to be honest, Peter poses a few 
it, it poses a few issues because obviously we've got no NPL teams here to play. Um, there's no A-League teams that we can go and travel to play because it costs. So we end up with a break, but whether the break serves us well or, or not is yet to be determined. Obviously, it gives us time to train and work on things, but uh, we lose competitive edge and we lose competitive fitness going into those home games. So mm. we're going to have to get that really right from a training perspective and make sure we prepare as best we can. Yeah, interesting, interesting uh, uh, situation. You've used already 23 players this season and one of the players, of course, has got a milestone. And Glory over the years have performed pretty well at Amy Park there in Melbourne. We've pulled out some very good results. Let's hope it goes that way on the weekend. And it'd be a fabulous way to celebrate Liam Reddy's 150th A-League game for the Glory. He's been a real warrior for the club, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, mate. He's a, he's a real uh, warrior for the league, to be honest. He's, he's certainly well-travelled and, and I've been in a few different clubs. But he's, for this club, to play 150 games... Um, you know, for one club in the A-League, it's a huge achievement. Um, obviously, there's not too many games each year. There's, what, 25, 26 games or whatever it is. So, um, you know, for him to chalk up 150 for this club shows how long he's been at the club, for one, and, and also how consistent he's been. Um, he's obviously, you know, to the back end of his career now. So these moments and these milestones, um, you know, are, are very important. And, I, you know, I'd like the team and the club to, to put their best foot forward for him and, and make that milestone game one for him to remember it in a positive light. So... Um, yeah, just a great servant to the club, mate. Been here a long time and uh, and worked really hard to get that 150 games. So uh, it's a nice little milestone for him. And uh, knowing him, he probably thinks he can play for another 10 years. So he's probably not too stressed about the 150. Yeah. Probably looking at 300 because that's what he's like. But um, no, nah, look, you know, in what could be his last year, potentially, um, you know, for him to chalk up 150 is a super effort. And Gloria had a pretty good record against Melbourne City. Let's hope that continues on the weekend. Ruben, thanks for your time. We always appreciate it. Love talking to you, mate. Uh, you're honest and uh, you, you speak it and let us know as it is. And I appreciate that. And good luck for the match against Melbourne City. And uh, let's hope we pick up uh, three points before we go to the break. And, of course, we welcome a few home games as well. Thanks for your time. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Ruben Zadkovich, uh, the coach of the Perth Glory, joining us here on Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. That's it for the program tonight. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5 o'clock. I look forward to your company then. Thanks to Lee and thanks to Paul Heath for helping to produce the show today. Have a great uh, Wednesday night. See you tomorrow from 5. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.